Heavenly Father, we just thank you for, again, a beautiful day and a time to just celebrate this festival of the ingathering, the festival of Sukkot, Tabernacles. Lord, we just ask that as we um, fellowship here again tonight, that you would be a part of it, that we realize in the depths of our heart that you dwell in us now and that we have become a, a, a sukkah, in a sense, for you. And we look forward to that day, Lord, when you will come and fulfill this festival to its finality. So teach us now in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Amen. All right, well, last time we talked about the Sabbath and how the Sabbath was um, an important thing. I kind of want to just connect the, the commandments a little bit more here in regard to uh, this festival as well. In Deuteronomy 8, verse 1, it says this, Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe. And I put in there, why? Because it answers that, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. In other words, God wanted them to observe the commandments. Why? So that they could possess the land. So that they could enter into the promised land. Now, we have to remember that this isn't just talking about a physical land, but also a spiritual promised land. And uh, you might remember the rich man that Jesus was talking to. He came and he said, what must I do to be saved? And he says, basically, obey the commandments in a nutshell. This rich man was already in the physical promised land. He just had not yet reached the spiritual promised land. And that's what he was talking about here. So Jesus' answer, keep the commandments, is, I think, very fitting when you look at it in relation to this here in, verse, uh, in Deuteronomy 8. Uh, we see in Revelation, the devil goes after who? He goes after those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. So there's something about keeping the commandments and the testimony of Jesus that go hand in hand that we often overlook. This verse continues here in chapter 8 of Deuteronomy. In verse 2 it says, You shall remember that the Lord your God led you in all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Why? To humble you and test you. Why? To know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So that same kind of thing. God gave them these commandments to test them to know what was in their heart. Why would he test us? To know what's in our heart? What does he want to learn? What does he want to see? Whether you're going to keep the commands or not. And so, I guess the question I would ask is, are we passing today? Not, are we getting into heaven because we keep the commands, but is he testing us today? I, I believe he is. I think that every Christian throughout all of history has been tested. And how does he test us? Through the commandments of God. We can't keep them all. There's no way we can keep the commandments. You know, people ask me that about the Sabbath, like, well, so is it okay to worship on Sunday? Well, of course it is. Of course it's okay to worship on Sunday. Okay, We, we worship them on every day. But that doesn't change the fact that God has set a day called the Sabbath that is the Sabbath, and he wants us to do that. If I don't do that, am I going to go to hell because I never kept the Saturday Sabbath? Not at all, because otherwise my mom and dad are going to be in hell. Uh, so many godly men and women who clearly love the Lord would be in hell. 
I'm not getting to heaven based on obeying these commands. I'm getting into heaven because I believe in Jesus, and because I believe in Jesus, I follow and walk in his ways. I know that there are things that I'm still ignorant of, that I don't follow, that I, you know, uh, mess up on. And so I'm thankful that my righteousness is not on my works, but on Christ, what he's done, and his forgiveness when I fall short. But that doesn't change the fact that in my heart, I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow his commands. And that's what I want to see others do. So just kind of keep that in mind as well. Deuteronomy 8 verse 3 says, So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Remember when Yeshua was being tempted by the devil, this is exactly what happened. Uh, the devil comes and says, you know, if you're, if you're God, make these stones turn to bread. And he says, he quotes the law. He quotes Torah right here. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. We need to realize that bread is also, there's a physical and there's a spiritual. Manna, Yeshua, Jesus was the manna that came down from heaven. And that manna, that word became flesh and has dwelt among us as we are going to talk about. So, in essence, he humbled us so that we would realize this. And part of the, the festival of Sukkot is that as we live in these Su Sukkots, as we live in these tents, that we are to be reminded of his protection and his providence. That that's what we're supposed to be doing. Verse 4 your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years. So while they were out there in the wilderness, the, nothing uh, wore out. Their shoes were fine. Their feet didn't swell. And this is kind of what Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 would agree with. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? This is kind of the attitude we're supposed to have during this festival. That we don't worry about our food, our clothing, our shelter, but that we are trusting that God is providing, God is taking care of us. And that's part of this festival. So, um, anyway, my question I guess would be this. is Do we live like we believe these promises or not? And this is a time when we can stretch ourselves to, to believe that God will take care of, God will provide, God will uh, be there through all of it. Anyway, back in Deuteronomy verse 5, it says, You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. What I want to do here is to show you that there is a connection to Sukkot in fearing God, these commandments. Today we have all but gotten rid of the fear of God in churches. He has become nothing but a buddy. You know, we, oh, hey, Father God. Hey, we love you. It's just like he is on an equal plane with us. We've lost all reverence and respect for his holiness, his sovereign power. And we, we need to get that back. Deuteronomy 31.8 says this, The Lord, 
He is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. So Moses wrote this law and delivered it to the priests, the sons of Levi, who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and to all the elders of Israel. It continues. Moses commanded them saying, at the end of every seven years, at the appointed time in the year of release, at the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. So God gives the commandments and then he says, every seven years, when it comes time to the, the festival of Sukkot, Tabernacles here, you're to read this law. Okay, why? He goes on, gather the people together, men and women and little ones, and the stranger who is within your gates, the Gentiles, that they may hear and that they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words of this law, and that their children who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land which you cross the Jordan to possess. Notice the connection to the land again. As long as you're living in this land, this is what you're supposed to do. Notice how many times he's talking about to fear the Lord your God, to carefully observe, that you may hear and learn. Uh, last week, we, we, or a few days ago, we talked about this connection when Yeshua was filling this festival, <laughs> fulfilling this festival. He said that this is a pattern, that when the Lord comes back, he is, on the last and greatest day, going to gather us together on Mount Olives. He is going to teach the law, and then he's going to explain it to us so that we can observe it, that we will have the fear of him, a, a, a good and righteous fear of him. And so we, we looked at this verse back then, but the point being is that one of the purposes of Sukkot then is to hear the law so that we fear God. That is part of this festival. Yes, we're to rejoice. Yes, we're to trust. But we're also to fear him as we hear his commands. So the law is indeed a big part of this festival of Sukkot. Because it is foreshadowing when the Lord is going to come back and gather us and teach the law from Mount Zion. The law will go out from Zion so that we can walk in his paths. And I look forward to that. As I said here a few days ago when he's going to clean up all of our messes and all our wrong ideas, he will correct them at that point. But uh, I look forward to it and, and just pray that that day comes soon. Um, but anyway, hearing the law causes fear. Fear causes obedience. And like I said, today the church has done all but remove that from us. That pornography or you know, uh, unwholesome talk, unwholesome movies. We just shut our eyes to those things. It doesn't matter. It's okay. We're under grace. So go ahead and live your life the way you want, as long as it doesn't hurt somebody else. You know, let's, do, let's obey the do not murder thing. But no, it's, these are things that should instill fear in us, that when God says, that I'll put no unwholesome thing or, uh, or ungodly thing before my eyes, that we should take that seriously and say, you know what, I'm going to examine my, myself, my sukkah, and I'm going to see what kind of unwholesome things I've allowed in because we should have that fear of God. Another aspect here of fear, Proverbs 16:6. 6, In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity. And by the fear of the Lord, one departs 
from evil. We need to have the fear of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I could give you probably a hundred verses that talk about this. And yet, as I said, we've gotten rid of it. Exodus 20, verse 19 says, And they said to Moses, You speak with us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, and that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. No wonder the church is filled with sin when we have gotten rid of the fear of God. So when God speaks, we should be responding. Let God speak. Okay, these people had some fear, and Moses is saying, it's good that you fear. It is good that you fear because this is going to keep you walking in obedience. Today, I hear the opposite. Oh, don't fear. We, are not, we don't have a spirit of fear. Okay? Well, that's right. We don't have a spirit of fear when it comes to certain things. We have a spirit of sonship. I know who I am. I know who I belong to. I don't fear about my salvation because he has made it uh, secure. But I still fear him, just like I would fear my father when I was a boy, but I had the utmost respect and love for him. That's what I was thinking about, is that we, kids don't fear teachers. They don't fear, they don't fear police. Yeah. They, don't, they don't fear their fathers anymore. They talk back. They, yeah. I hope my kids have a little fear for me. Yeah, Not it's a that I'm good thing. Them, but that, you know, they need to uh, do what I say. Yeah, they, they do. And it's him. almost like we have such a fear of children fearing us today because we feel like that's going to get us turned into social services, you know, because we spank our children. Well, spare the rod, spoil the child. The Bible talks about discipline and says that that's okay. I'm not talking about beating your children. I'm talking about disciplining them. And our society has even been set up to remove this fear and respect. And the police aren't even allowed to discipline anymore but those are all good examples of what godly fear is all about we're supposed to have that in acts 10 34 it says and peter opened his mouth and said in truth i perceive that god shows no partiality but in every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him so here we are in the new testament again to, for everybody just quote we do not have a spirit a spirit of uh, fear you have to Look in Acts 10 when it says, But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. You have to take the whole context. You can't just isolate those one, that one little verse. We are to fear God. So that is a big part of this festival. That to examine ourselves, to let the law speak to us. That we would have a healthy fear of God. That we would obey him. And so I want to challenge you to examine your sukkah your tent, and look for that dross that needs to be removed in your life. And that's part of what we are to do. So the last part here is the Feast of Tabernacles, being the birthday, birthday or birthday of Jesus. When it says in John 1 that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, it literally says tabernacled among us. And... I believe that 
This is the birthday of Jesus sometime during this season. Um, I know you've talked about Day of Atonement. As far as I'm concerned, that's right within this season. I cannot prove to you that he was born on the Feast of Tabernacles, but five days before the Feast of Tabernacles is the Day of Atonement. What I'm saying is he was born at this season. And biblically, I think we can definitely show you that. Um, Revelation 21 verse 22 says this, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Jesus is the temple. He is the tabernacle. All right, And he came to tabernacle or dwell with us. The whole point of the tabernacle when God commanded them to build it was so that he may dwell and live with them. Right? Well, the whole point of Yeshua coming was to accomplish that thing as well, that he would dwell or tabernacle with us. And when Yeshua came, he made it possible that he would do that in a very real sense within each and every one of us, making us the most holy place, that he does tabernacle with us. Not in some you know, weird way out there, but in some very personal spiritual way he lives inside of us. So how do we know that this is the time of year? We know here that Zechariah was John the Baptist's father. And we read about this in Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, and we see that it says that he was in the course of Abijah. Well, what is this course of Abijah? What does that mean? Normally, we read the New Testament, we could give uh, no mindset to that. We, we just don't even give it any credence at all that it says that. But... We see in 1 Chronicles chapter 24, it tells us that there were these divisions of priests that had to serve at certain months of the year. And so the 8th division of Abijah tells us what month that Zechariah is ministering in the temple because it tells us right there. All right? So there were 24 divisions each division served for two weeks, as we go and read in 1 Chronicles 24. Now, the Jews have 51 weeks in their year. Um, that leaves three other weeks. Why? Well, there were three required feasts that every priest was, you might say, on call because it was so busy. Those three feasts where everybody came to Jerusalem, which tabernacles is one of them, then all the priests had to be ministering. So John the Baptist would have been conceived, according to this being on the, the division of Abijah, at the time of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost, or Shavuot in the Hebrew, um, is shortly uh, after Passover, about 50 days after Passover. We know then, with that timing, that Jesus would have been conceived at the time of Hanukkah, which is basically around our Christmas period. So when we celebrate Jesus coming into the world, in some senses, he did. When a woman gets pregnant today, we don't celebrate you know, after the baby's born. We celebrate when that baby is in the world. And so when we celebrate Hanukkah, we are celebrating the, the uh, coming of Yeshua into the world, the light of the world coming 
at this time. Now, what we see is nine months after Hanukkah is tabernacles. And it makes sense that there would be no room in the inn because when they're coming to Jerusalem, everybody's coming to Jerusalem. It's crowded. There is no room in the inn because it's one of these festivals that everybody has come for. Yes, Bethlehem. But again, Bethlehem and Jerusalem are really close. Like today, they're connected. There is a census as well. And what we see is that most of the time they did the censuses when there was a festival because everybody was coming there. It was a great way to do it. So they always did the censuses at the time of the festivals. I can't tell you that he was conceived at the day of Hanukkah. All I can tell you is that if we take it that uh, John the Baptist is his cousin, okay, from an earthly perspective, and John the Baptist is six months older than Yeshua. We know he was serving at Pentecost because that is when um, the course of Abijah, that month, is when they were serving in the temple according to 1 Chronicles 24. Oh, okay. So not just based on the it's in conjunction with that. Yep. And so since the Bible tells us when the course of Abijah is to serve, they're serving at the time of Pentecost. Therefore, John the Baptist is being told that he's going to have a child at the time of Pentecost. Yes, what did I say? Oh, yeah, Zacharias, thank you. What we have here laid out a little bit more, Zechariah, the eighth course of Abijah, is Savan 12 to 18. Now, 40 weeks for a baby to be born, okay? That means John the Baptist would be born around Nisan, the 14th, putting it kind of in the middle of that, which is, guess what? Passover. So John the Baptist may have been born at Passover. Now we know six months later, <coughs> excuse me, which is Kislev 25, basically, or Hanukkah period, that time range, that Yeshua would be then conceived. Nine months after conception puts you at the Feast of Tabernacles, which is when Jesus would be born. And then 40 days later is the time the Bible tells us in the Old Testament that the, your firstborn, they were to be purified. And Josephus says that Herod died around autumn of 4 B.C. So that puts um, Jesus' purification around that time, basically. So a lot of people will say around 4 B.C., Anyway, um, what I find also neat about this is that God arranged a birthday party for Jesus because one of the songs or celebrations that is sung every Feast of Tabernacles is this called Hallel, which is basically Psalm 118. They'll sing it at Passover and they sing it as well at this time. And so I just want to show you what people would have been singing on the Feast of Tabernacles. This is Psalm 118. It says, This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Remember that this festival they were commanded to rejoice. 
says, save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. Save us. And it goes on. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. Or Yeshuati. Yeshua. My salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me and are become my salvation, my Yeshua. So it's almost like God had orchestrated a birthday party for him to be born. Anyway, uh, I can't help but wonder, no proof, but we remember in Luke chapter 2, verse 13, the angels are rejoicing in the, the shepherd's field. I wonder if they were singing Psalm 118. I don't know. Anyway, tabernacles, uh, kind of in wrapping up here, we see it is important. I've shown you some things throughout this week, but Jesus did celebrate this festival as we saw in John 7 here the other day. We see that Yeshua is our tabernacle and is going to become one in the end times when he calls people to Jerusalem. We see that in Isaiah. Um, we see that tabernacles is the time that the living water is poured out, and that is when Yeshua calls himself the living water. And um, that, as we just talked about, that that's probably when he is born. I want you to understand that uh, during the end times here, we, we see both in Ezekiel 45 and Zechariah 14, that there are two festivals that are going to be celebrated when the Lord returns. One of them is Passover that we see here in Ezekiel 45 and also tabernacles there. And then in Zechariah 14, verse 16, it talks about tabernacles as well. And um, so what we are doing when we celebrate these festivals is we are, in a sense, preparing for that time as well. And I, if you recall, a few weeks ago in our Hebrew study, we talked about the idea that um, there would be uh, sacrifices in the end times, but we did not, uh, some of the Jews, the Orthodox Jews, did not believe that there would be any animal sacrifices. Well, there's got to be some sort of animal sacrifice because, as we talked about the other day, that the Feast of Tabernacles is associated with 70 sacrifices. However, what people do not understand is not every animal sacrifice is for sin or making atonement. Rather, there are many sacrifices, burnt offerings, that are for thank offerings. They're called toda offerings. And these thank offerings, even though they have blood spilled, have nothing to do with uh, sin or atonement. As a matter of fact, we're just coming off of the Feast of Atonement where there is an, a sacrifice that is made for atonement. Then after that, you have tabernacles, which is a time of rejoicing and giving thanks because we are protected, we have been saved, and we are therefore giving praise and thanks to God. So uh, while these are mentioned in Scripture, don't confuse that with blood sacrifices for uh, forgiveness. That has already been made. It will not be made again here in Yeshua. It says, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming. The Mount of Olives shall be split in two. Thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you. 
And it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. So that's why we do this. And uh, tonight we are going to have a birthday party for Yeshua. And uh, that's basically why we have this gift exchange and why we have cake so that we can celebrate that the light came into the world and he has become our Yeshua, our salvation. So.